0: WCNC Charlotte, this is Flashpoint.
1: Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. Healthcare for thousands of people here in North Carolina could soon be on the way. This week, Governor Cooper signing the Medicaid expansion bill into law. It's something that's been years in the making. Republicans eventually swayed by nearly $2 billion in federal incentives, and now some 600,000 folks could get the care they need. Joining us now is the U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra. Secretary, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it.
2: Absolutely, Ben. Thanks for having me.
1: So this week, a big deal here in North Carolina this week, becoming one of the last states to finally expand Medicaid. We've talked about it for about 10 years now. Given that most states have already done this, given the fact that you sort of are aware of how these things go in all 50 states, what is this going to mean for those 600,000 people here in North Carolina who finally have access to affordable health care?
2: Ben, perhaps there's no better way of saying it than to say to those 600,000 uh, Americans in North Carolina, to the governor, to all the legislative leaders, you've just given people peace of mind. Uh, to all those people who today know that if their child all of a sudden becomes uh, deadly, deadly ill and needs to go to a hospital, you don't have to worry anymore. If I take my child to the to the hospital, will I not have the money to pay the mortgage or or my rent? Will I go bankrupt? That used to be the case. And a lot of folks would have to weigh those decisions and sometimes not go to the hospital or not buy the medication. Today, 600,000 people have the peace of mind to know that they can take their child to the hospital.
1: Um, For our friends down in South Carolina, which by the way, only about 10 miles from where I'm sitting here in Charlotte, um, they have not expanded Medicaid. What else do you think needs to happen to get those last few states on board?
2: You know, 40 states have given millions of their residents the peace of mind, uh, but you're right. There's still 10 states in America who have not, and it's a, it's crazy to believe, but there are still millions of Americans who don't have the opportunity that their fellow Americans just across the state border have to have that peace of mind. We It's not something we can afford to do, and it's not something a country as great as America should do.
1: Switching gears now, this week, the FDA approving the over-the-counter uh, Narcan. It's a drug that can reverse overdoses. It's been talked about for quite some time. How do you see this changing the game when it comes to overdoses here in America?
2: Oh, it's it's like uh, getting three new strikes when you're at the plate. Uh, we know that a lot of people are dying today because they don't realize that the drug they're about to ingest or inject is laced with uh, deadly fentanyl or other drugs. And what happens is you have younger and younger populations that are dying from overdose. Narcan is one of those drugs that helps offset. It it, it reverses what some of these deadly drugs like fentanyl can do, uh, what opioids can do, and it could save a life. Now, the fact that you can get it over the counter will make it far easier for some of these folks who are still using drugs to save a life or for a family member or friend to be able to save a life. It will change, it is a true game changer, but we have to make sure that it's done right. And so for that reason, we wanna make sure when it gets on the market, it's affordable. When it gets on the market, it's uh, easier to understand where to get it. And when it gets on the market finally, we make sure there's accountability to make sure it's being used the ways we want it to be
1: used. Let's talk about insulin prices. Three of the major producers uh, of insulin announcing caps at 35 bucks a month. Uh, it's something that the administration I know has been working hard on. But it's just one of, as you know, ex- many extremely expensive drugs. Help us w- work this out. I-, I realize this is different, but at the same time, I know folks at home want to understand, why can we not apply this same sort of thing and scale it to, say, other prescription drug costs?
2: Well, Ben, they're right. And there's no reason why we shouldn't. And so that's absolutely the correct question. Why are are we doing it for insulin, but not for so many other drugs that we need that are so, so expensive? And that's the the answer. uh, That's the question that the president answered by making sure we passed his new prescription drug law that will lower the cost of uh, prescription medication.
1: Let's talk about COVID. Um, Here in a little more than a month, uh, the public health emergency set to uh, end. I know while vaccines will remain free, I think coverage of some of the over-counter tests will, will end. Are you worried that this would lead to less testing and potentially more people going to to work, school, with the virus, or are we now saying as a country, okay, that's a level of micromanaging this virus that we're not going to do anymore?
2: Well, I'm hoping that what happens is because we are at a different place than we were three years ago with COVID, uh, that we can say that we're no longer in a state of emergency that we can't control, but that we know how to control, we know how to manage COVID. And ha- having learned how to manage COVID, vaccination, distancing, masking where necessary, that what we'll do is we will put it as into part of our routine. Just the way we will get the flu vaccination, just the way we ask our kids to get vaccinated for measles and for uh, smallpox and the rest, we're gonna try to move America towards putting this part of their routine to protect against COVID and the best way of course is to get the vaccination uh stay updated so it's going to get to the point where we hope it will be once a year for most Americans get that vaccination and you're in pretty good shape when it comes to COVID obviously continue to be smart don't do crazy things but that's where we hope we'll go Ben but the bringing down the public health emergency means that we're in a better place but that still means we have to work hard to protect ourselves
1: does this mean me the end of folks needing to necessarily quarantine anymore
2: for the most part, remember we still have Americans who have low uh, immunity because of uh, they may have cancer, they're taking drugs that lower their immunity, make it tough for them to fight off uh, those types of viruses and diseases. And so we always have to protect our, our elderly uh, loved ones who are not as strong anymore. Our children sometimes can have certain diseases. So there's always gonna be a case where we have to be careful. Quarantining would be one of those examples where it's a severe example of how we try to protect ourselves from those who might spread uh, a disease. But for the most part, as I said, we've learned to manage COVID so we can move away from some of the more dramatic measures that we had to take before.
1: Finally, let me ask you, it's not exactly your wheelhouse, but you are Health and Human Services. And, and we've saw once again this week that there's um, gun violence, the number one killer of, of children in America, your thoughts on our inability as a country to tackle this problem?
2: Well, we have the ability. We just have to be willing to use the wherewithal we have. And unfortunately, from my personal perspective, we have it. Uh, I consider, we at the Department of Health and Human Services consider gun violence a healthcare crisis because it impacts not just those who are the victims of gun violence, including up to death, but it, it, it hits every family member. And I, I must tell you that uh, today Americans are suffering, suffering for, by the death of children uh, at the hands of someone wielding weapons of mass destruction. And I, I would say that it's time for us to realize that we have it in our power to reduce gun deaths. We just have to be willing to take some of those actions and keep those weapons that are not meant to be principally defensive or for hunting out of the hands of people who are using them in a way that kills our loved ones
1: are you optimistic that anything will change anytime soon
2: look i'm always optimistic i'm the son of immigrants and so uh i I do believe that this country will learn uh, and sometimes we, we take a little while to learn, but that's the beauty of America. We move forward, we learn, we don't want to go backwards. And I think we see that we should not be the king and queen of gun violence in the world. And we will learn because it's our children who are suffering because of our inaction.
1: U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra. Secretary, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. All right, take care. Well, the primary for North Carolina governor now less than a year away. Coming up next on Flashpoint, the first Republican candidate to announce his bid for the governor's mansion. Welcome back to Flashpoint. We are now just under a year away from the 2024 primaries here in North Carolina. Everything from state races to the presidential contest will be on that ballot. And that includes the race for governor. The race quickly taking shape with the state treasurer now throwing his hat in the Republican primary. Joining us now, state treasurer and Republican gubernatorial candidate Dale Falwell. Treasurer, welcome back to Flashpoint.
0: Well, it's great to be back with you. I'm joining you from uh, Rainbow Lanes here in Clayton, North Carolina. Uh, just another example of one of our great small businesses across our state.
1: I think this might be a first for Flashpoint that we've had a guest join us from a Bowling Alley, but it's first time for everything. I, I appreciate it. Um, so uh, tell us, you've been an elected official here in North Carolina going back a long time. Why the governor's race? Why now?
0: Well, I'm applying for the job to be the uh, gov- next governor of North Carolina because I think people simply want somebody to speak to them like adults and what they say is make- makes common sense as the keeper of the public purse and as a legislator, I've been completely focused on saving lives, saving minds and saving money. And just to remind your viewers that the governor of North Carolina, the root word of governors to govern and it's not just about cutting ribbons but the governor of north carolina is the ceo of the largest business in the state uh in charge of employing the most people buying the most tires the most gasoline the most light bulbs and i want to take my problem solving skills to that level
1: listen we we beat that drum here on this show on a weekly basis regardless of whether you're republican or democrat people, taxpayers, deserve to have effective governance, and that includes a, a governor as well. So I, I think our viewers will, will be happy to hear that. But where do you think the st- state is headed right now? I mean, we've got Republicans in control of the General Assembly, uh, passing some, some important legislation, controversial to some in the last week, uh, while you have a Democratic governor. Uh, how do you feel about the overall direction the state's headed?
0: Well, I'm wearing this lapel pin this morning that has NC on it. Uh, your, listener, your viewers often know, know what NC stands for, but for our purposes this morning, it stands for nothing compares. In terms of the banking crisis, it stands for no crisis. Nothing compares means that I would not, as the keeper of the public purse and state treasurer, I wouldn't trade places with any other state treasurer in the United States. Uh, and you viewers know that we got designated last year as number one in the country for business outlook and business activity. That just didn't jump up on the table by itself. So, NC, nothing compares, means that we have a, one of the strongest balance sheets in, in the United States, one of the best funded pension plans in the United States. Uh, we've been able to, re, we're on the process of retiring 60%. That's 60% of the state debt over an eight year period in North Carolina. That's why there's so much business activity in our state. But as well as our torso is doing through demographics and the census, obviously the urban areas like Charlotte, uh, we do still have some major challenges going on in rural North Carolina. And at the end of the day, uh, all people want. I think the voters are actually much more sophisticated than they get credit for. All they really want is someone who will attack problems and not attack people. And uh, that's what I've done as the keeper of the public purse. And it's one reason I'm one part of North Carolina being in such a strong financial position.
1: Speaking of that, I'm sure as treasurer, you have an opinion about uh, Medicaid expansion getting passed this past week. It's been uh, about a decade in the making. Uh, A lot of Republicans fought it for quite some time. Um, It's attached to the budget, so it's not formally in in effect yet. Uh, Were you, I'm not going to say happy, but were, were you in agreement that this get passed?
0: Well, I have uh, uh, for the longest time I've let the decision about Medicaid expansion. You know uh, being the keeper of the public purse is like practicing yoga. Uh, You you don't, by the way, we don't have bowling yoga yet, but maybe we'll have that one day. Uh, But you know it means paying attention to your mat and and breathing. Uh, The decision to expand Medicaid was obviously something that was uh, done between the executive branch, the governor and the legislature legislature. Uh, I'm disappointed. Uh, that there was not more reforms in the Medicaid expansion to actually lower health care costs. Uh, they taught me at Winston-Salem State and UNCG, you don't try to solve a a cost problem with a revenue solution. Uh, we need to repeal the certificate of need laws in North Carolina so that we can actually have the supply of health care that we desperately need. Uh, so I'm gonna continue to fight for that. I would like to have seen that in the Medicaid expansion bill uh, because of what is happening to the high cost of healthcare, especially on those that teach, protect and serve and the general citizenry. Uh,
1: sports betting, how do you feel about that?
0: I'm not an expert on sports betting. I've been racing motorcycles for 46 years. Uh, I'm not aware of any sports betting that goes on in motorcycle racing, but uh, it's not uh, it's not one of my subject matter expertise.
1: Okay, The no surprise to you. I'm sure the, the Democratic party issued a statement um, when you announced that you were running for governor, that you've used your office to target LGBTQ state employees for political points. And they said also, quote, advance his own extreme views, putting job-killing divisiveness ahead of the people of North Carolina. Your response to that?
0: Well, uh, I can't choose what people say, uh, but I will respond by saying that, uh, as I've said during my whole elected career, I believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. But at the end of the day, uh, what I've done is the keeper of the public purse is to be fair and just and and to focus on keeping our state, uh, not just solvent, but, you know, being in a fantastic position uh, going forward. Uh, and I'll also say that uh, at the end of the day, uh, the, you know, the other party will say what they want to say, uh, but my job is to is to focus on the $248 billion that we have at the state treasurer's office, and also my other 20 duties and responsibilities, uh, which also include uh, uh, chair of the state banking commission. And we have some big news on that just in the last few days.
1: Uh, Sticking with the race for just a second, your likely primary opponent would be Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. What do you view as the biggest differences between you and the Lieutenant Governor?
0: Well, as I said earlier, uh, I'm the first Republican to announce for Governor of North Carolina for 2024. Uh, no one I'd never heard of Mark Robinson 1000 days ago. Uh, your viewers can go online and, and figure out you know what he has done and what he has said in those 1000 days. Uh, but as I said earlier, my focus is to attack uh, problems uh, and, and not attack people. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, the root word of conservative is to conserve. And the root word of liberal is to liberate said set economically free. Uh, and I'm going to let the lieutenant governor be who he is, and I'm going to be who I am. And I have complete confidence that uh, the voters are uh, sophisticated and knowledgeable enough to know the difference between uh, someone who just attacks people versus someone who actually attacks problems on their behalf.
1: The last question real quick, just as a matter of business, as treasurer, you are in charge of the state pension plan. That's hundreds of thousands of people. Um, How has it been impacted by the recent banking crisis?
0: Well, that's a great question. Uh, The pension plan has 1 million people on it. One out of 10 adult North Carolinians are now connected with this pension plan, those that teach, protect, and serve. Uh, Our pension plan in the volatile year last year was down 7% for the fiscal year. Uh, We don't like losing a penny or a paperclip at the treasurer's office. And uh, now we have another crisis called a banking crisis. Chair of the State Banking Commission and the uh, Commissioner Boskin and her team have done a great job in making sure that NC also stands for no crisis. We regulate some banks that your viewers have heard of, bb Truist, First Citizens, uh, First Bank, and 33 other state chartered community banks. The reason that our banking system is in such great shape is that we've always had conservative regulatory policies in North Carolina. We've also always had great bankers in North Carolina, and unlike silicon valley bank or signature bank with cryptocurrency uh, which we have not been involved in in north carolina uh the the depositors in north carolina are more insured than than almost anywhere else in the country ninety percent of the silicon valley bank depositors were not insured ninety percent and so this is uh the fact that we have such a conservative regulatory policy in north carolina means that most of our depositors are insured in our North Carolina state charter banks and the depositors themselves are very diversified between entrepreneurs and businesses and, uh, and manufacturing companies and even local governments. So we have a very diversified uh, deposit base and the bigger percentage of those people are insured. So the NC also this morning at this point stands for no crisis and I'm very proud of our our uh, Banking Commission.
1: State Treasurer and Republican Gubernatorial Candidate, Dale Falwell, thanks for coming back on. We appreciate it.
0: I look forward to joining you again.
1: Sounds good. More Flashpoint after this. (music) Welcome back to Flashpoint. For the first time in nearly five years, state lawmakers overriding Governor Roy Cooper's veto. It now means folks no longer need to get a pistol permit from the county sheriff's office to buy a handgun another part of that bill allows people to carry concealed handguns in places of worship that also serve as schools when school is not in session. WCNC Charles Jane Monreal shares what this means for deputies and churches. It's outrageous. We,
0: we need to make sure that we protect people who uh, protect everyone from people who are seriously mentally ill and would do violence, domestic abusers. And this was a step backward today.
3: Governor Roy Cooper responding to today's vote, saying it was a bad decision to override his veto. Grassroots President Paul Vallone disagrees, saying the bill will make North Carolinians safer.
0: Which churches which sponsor schools will now get the same ability to protect themselves from violent sociopaths uh, as other churches. Um, Until now, carrying a firearm in a church which sponsored a school has been a felony.
3: The executive director for North Carolinians Against Gun Violence in a statement said in part... Lawmakers that voted to repeal our pistol purchase permitting system will have blood on their hands. We will wake up five or ten years from now and see that our gun homicide and gun suicide rates have risen. And we will directly point to these votes to repeal the pistol purchase permitting system. They did not listen to facts, reason, or the vast majority of North Carolinians. Shame on them. But as both a concealed carry instructor and member of his church safety team, Brian Yerke argues, they should be able to protect themselves in case of an attack. Sometimes evil needs
1: to be fought physically as well as spiritually. Jay Montreal reporting for us there. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Come interact with us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're there. And if it's something you want us to cover on Flashpoint, let us know. And as always, remember to listen and subscribe to our podcast. Yes, we have a podcast, too. You can find it wherever you get yours. And we'll see you back here next weekend.